Hey, hey, friends, welcome to the Lens of Faith podcast. As I was praying about what the Holy Spirit wanted me to speak on today, He kept prompting me to share the difference between being judgmental and being a fruit inspector, and the huge difference between the two. You know, Christians are really afraid in this time to stand up for what's right, you know, because we've been taught to turn the other cheek, to just love people, have grace, you know, and just give it all to God and let Him fight our battles. And even more now with cancel culture and the fear of man. But these can be tactics from the enemy to keep the church silent and passive. He is our great defender, but there are times that God calls us to stand up for righteousness and to speak up for truth and to have discernment regarding who we listen to and allow in our lives. So today I'm going to really dig into Matthew 7, which is, you know, the famous chapter about judging. And we're also going to study other scriptures throughout the Bible. There's a difference between judging from a place of pride and judging from a place of discernment and being a fruit inspector. In Matthew 7, we read, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to someone else, let me take the speck out of your eye, when at the same time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I usually read from the NIV version, but I also like how the message translation puts it. It reads, don't pick on people or jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say... Let me wash your face for you. When your own face is distorted by contempt, it's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your own neighbor. Wow, I really like that. So far too many times, Christians take this passage in the Bible out of context. You know, there's a misunderstanding related to it. As if we are not supposed to judge anything, we're supposed to just love and have grace and give it to God and not speak up and not say anything about anything and just keep the peace, right? But what this is actually saying is don't be a hypocrite. I mean, if I'm telling you not to steal and I'm out there stealing, and then I'm judging you for stealing when I'm stealing myself, this is a rebuke against that. This is saying, how dare you take the sliver out of someone else's eye when here you have a plank in your own eye. If we start judging somebody because we saw they stole a pack of gum, yet we don't tithe and we've been robbing God for years, do you understand what I'm saying? That's us being hypocrites. And so that's what this is actually about. It's not about judging right and wrong or standing up for truth. It's more of a hypocritical mindset and attitude that we have. 
So what it's saying is, you know, we need to judge ourselves more harshly than we judge others. Because oftentimes we're judging others on something that we actually do ourselves. You know, God tells us to search our hearts, search our hearts so that we might know any secret way, any secret sin in us, any way in us that is maybe hidden or us being blinded and deceived because of pride, which can keep us from seeing our own condition of our hearts. We need to be quicker to judge how we actually represent ourselves and our own attitudes, our own thoughts, and our own actions before we are quick to point to someone else. But in that same chapter in Matthew 7, as we read a little further, God tells us that we actually do need to judge and we need to be fruit inspectors. In Matthew 7, 15, we read how God tells us to watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And then he goes on to say that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on judgment day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? But God will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Wow. Think about that, friends. We could be going to a church and the preacher or the one that we think is a man of God is sitting there, you know, prophesying over people and, you know, putting his hands on people and people are getting miraculously healed. We would think being in that service and witnessing all that, that this must be an amazing man of God. You know, look at what he's doing. You might even think that that's fruit. You know, here he's prophesying and healing uh, the sick and, and casting out demons. That looks like good fruit. But God doesn't judge by that. He judges our heart. God judges our heart. He judges our motives. He knows the true condition of our hearts and who we really are behind closed doors. The one person that we can never fool is God. I mean, this is such an important lesson that God actually repeats it twice. Luke 6, he talks about a tree and its fruit. And he says it again. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good person brings out the good things out of the good stored up in their heart. And an evil person brings up evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. For the mouth speaks whatever the heart is full of. So there is a difference between being judgmental and hypocritical and having a heart of pride and self-righteous and a religious spirit. 
That is not of God. However, God has called us to be fruit inspectors in a place of prayer and love, discernment, and humility. God has called us to judge the fruit of someone's life and therefore to make wise decisions. You know, words can be very deceptive, but you cannot deny the fruit. The enemy has used the fear of seeming judgmental to keep the church silent, but wisdom will show you who a person really is by their choices, by the words that come out of their mouth, by how they treat others. This is all produced by their character. Yes, of course, none of us are perfect and without flaw. Yet, if you justify your actions and are not convicted, which leads to quick repentance, then you are allowing the enemy to poison your fruit. And the fruit of others can either nourish you or poison you. I challenge you to start looking at the people that are close to you, the ones that you spend the most time with. When you spend time with someone that you care about, what do they talk about? Do they gush from a love relationship with Jesus and they can't help but speak about His goodness? Or do they gossip and slander or constantly complain? What is the fruit that is coming out of their mouth? Because the fruit that comes out of our mouth leads into the fruit that comes out of our life. When we're surrounded by fruit that others produce, we end up partaking in it. And it will either nourish us or poison us. I'm reminded of King David. Why did God call King David the man after his own heart? I mean, this guy was an adulterer, a murderer, killed his best man, took his only wife, and so on. And I remember asking God about this. Of all the great people in the Bible, Lord, why was David the one that you considered the man after your own heart? And then God clearly responded by telling me, it's not because David was perfect, but because he was repentant. He didn't justify his sin or continue to go his own way. Instead, he humbly repented, accepted his consequences, and got his heart right. You see, you can't play in the devil's backyard and expect to have good fruit. If you party or are constantly being entertained by godless shows or music, hanging around fruitless people, dating a spiritual bud instead of a blossom, and not getting in your word every day, then your fruit will be evident. You know, it's sad when men that preach a gospel get exposed. You know, we're always so surprised by it because they say all the right things. We think they're living right. But God knows their true heart's condition. And we know them by their fruit because there's actions that they take prior to being exposed. And God always warns us before the fall. I say it so many times. You're not just going to crash and burn. I mean, God loves us so much. He wants us to turn from our sin, to repent, and to get our hearts right. So He always warns us before. But because of pride or our ego or our own selfish desires... We choose to rebel. Choosing the temporary pleasures of sin will produce rotten fruit. But God makes it clear and He tells us how we can live as a strong, healthy tree that bears much fruit, godly fruit. We read here in Ephesians 5, Follow God's example 
as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Wow, those are some really heavy words. God is warning us that if we live like the world, we entertain ourselves like the world, if we think like the world, then we have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. That right there should make you want to stop and rethink your actions. Continuing, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do. Let me repeat that. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Here God is telling us to expose what is evil and to expose those that say they are one thing and they're actually living a double life. God calls us to expose bad fruit. And he continues to say, it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to sin, instead be filled with the Spirit and always giving thanks to God for everything. God also tells us in Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. <laughs> I know, friends, this is a lot to digest. But this didn't come from me. This is coming from God Himself. This is coming from the Word of God. You know, all of us have been greedy at some point or inappropriate with our speech. You know, all these things. So this is not to bring any condemnation or any shame. It's to tell you that God is calling us to live holy, set apart, to not look like the world, and to live a life that's consecrated, that reflects Him. And when we do, then we will produce that good fruit. So of course, we're not going to always get it right. There's going to be times that we fail. But to get back up, to make it right, and to strive to not repeat the mistakes so that we can become the fruit that pleases the Lord, one that He will accept and call His own, good fruit that will nourish others, 
and that will be a light in the darkness. Another passage that really ties into good fruit and bad fruit is John 15. God tells us he's the vine and we're the branches. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches, says God. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. This is how we bear good fruit, by allowing him to prune us and to be our gardener. We must remain close and allow him to prune us, to stay humble and teachable. Allow him to correct us and to discipline us, which leads to righteousness. So yes, if we remain in him, we will bear much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, God says, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. However, If you do remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit to show yourselves to be my disciples. Remain in my love and keep my commands. So you might be asking, what does good fruit look like? Well, Galatians 5 tells us exactly that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited or provoking or envying each other. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is opposite to the Spirit and the spirit what is opposite to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that we do whatever we want, whatever we please. But if we are led by the spirit, then we want to do what's right and what pleases God. I'm telling you, friends, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. In order to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, we must put on the full armor of God every day so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, we must put on the full armor of God so that when evil comes and temptation comes knocking at our door, we will be able to stand our ground. 
So we must stand firm. Ephesians 6 tells us how to guard ourselves and what our spiritual armor is. With our armor being the belt of truth buckled around our waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition, we take up our shield of faith, in which we can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Then we take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we must pray in the Spirit on all occasions, and always keeping in mind to be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. We must pray for our leaders, you know, those in the church, those in government, those that have authority over us. We need to keep them in prayer because the enemy targets spiritual leaders and those of great influence. So we must pray over their protection, over their families, and that they would bear much good fruit. We need godly men and women in this hour who are bold, who are fearless, not afraid of the enemy's schemes, to speak up against evil, and to promote the truth. Well, friends, that wraps up today's message. I hope that this has clarified the difference between judging from a place of pride and self-righteousness or religious spirit versus being a fruit inspector by having discernment, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and being able to judge between right and wrong. God is calling us as the church to have discernment. It's one of the most important things in this hour. Discernment will tell us when to make a right or a left, who to follow, who to unfollow, who to allow access into our lives. You know, we need to have discernment. It's what prevents the enemy from deceiving us. So we must, with humility and with a spirit of love, we must be fruit inspectors. Jesus and his father led by example as the original fruit inspectors. You know, one of Jesus' final sermons, he explains that God is always examining people according to their fruit. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. As I read earlier, he prunes every branch in us that does not bear fruit. Jesus was never impressed with words. Instead, he was constantly focused on deeds coming from a pure heart, which is good fruit. In his discussion with the rich young ruler, Jesus was not impressed with the piety of the young man's words of devotion, but rather challenged him to sell all he had and to follow him. Jesus wanted action, not intentions. This is fruit inspection. You know, it takes time to bear fruit, good or bad. No one knows a type of seed planted until the harvest comes. Patience is important in agriculture and spiritual matters. And we are always hopeful of repentance. But with sound discernment, all of us need to observe and inspect fruit. As we spend time with Jesus and get to know Him better, His thoughts will become our thoughts, His purpose will become our purpose, and we will become like Jesus. And that, my friends, is what it looks like to bear good fruit. I encourage you to examine what you're producing. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you give us understanding, you give us wisdom, 
You give us discernment when we ask you for it. But I pray that we would, first of all, in humility, examine our own hearts and any judgmental, prideful, self-righteous way in us. Lord God, we repent for that. We pray that you would just purify and cleanse our heart. Forgive us for anything that does not please you. We ask you, Lord, for the spirit of discernment and wisdom that we would know the difference between good and bad fruit, Lord God, that you would give us clarity and discernment with who we should follow, who we should attach ourselves to, who we should invest in, and who we should allow in our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your sweet conviction that keeps us in check, Lord God, that keeps us wanting more of you to live a life that's holy and pleasing to you, That when it's said and done on that judgment day and we meet you face to face, you will not tell us like you did the man in the Bible that you did not know us, that you would not reject us or tell us to depart from you, O Lord. Do whatever you need to do in our hearts now, Lord, so that we would not live a life deceived, thinking that we're okay, thinking that we're living pleasing to you. But you know the innermost parts of our heart, Lord God. So please reveal every secret hidden thing to us so that we can get our hearts right. Thank you for who you are, Lord God. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience with us, Lord God. We love you, Lord. Amen. Make sure to sign up to get all the blog and podcast updates at leahmariecarson.com. Follow on Instagram at The Lens of Faith. Subscribe to The Lens of Faith podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Remember, friends, life becomes clearer when you focus through the lens of faith. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.